Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with Amy Lay, meta performer for Shadowbox Cabaret in the Brewery District. We talk about Amy's background, what it's like to see a show at Shadowbox, how to describe your art, what's coming up for Shadowbox, the importance of a sense of play, and why Amy chooses to stay in Columbus. You can get more information on what we discuss in today's episode in the show notes at theconfluencecast.com. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Amy Lay, meta performer for Shadowbox Live down in the Brewery District. Amy, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good. Good. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Mansfield, Ohio. And then how did you get to Shadowbox? Uh, I auditioned through OTAs, Ohio Theater Alliance, and also SETC's Southeastern Theater Conference, and Shadowbox was at both. They actually hired me at the first one, OTAs, and I said I would like to see my options. So I went to SCTC. Maybe. Maybe. I'll give you a maybe. Okay. Uh, I went to SCTCs and there were a lot of uh, traveling children's shows and opportunities for internships and Shadowbox was just the, the right choice at the right time and I had no idea I would be there 14 years later. Right. And so you were there at the Easton location. Yes. And did you go through the process that I'm aware of where you come on as an actor but you're essentially a server in the beginning. Yes, actually all of our actors are also servers. Our, all of our company members are also either in the kitchen making the dishes, uh, uh, making the, the food and the and the drinks, the bartenders, the servers, ushers. But we, it is sort of a, like an onboarding process, right? No, this is the whole way through. Oh, okay. I am still a server at Shadowbox. Okay. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. No divas. None. <laughs> Talk about sort of your journey there. You came on as, you know, a kid fresh out of college. Yeah. And so what have you seen change in the time that you've been there? Well, I started just going right into being an actor, singer, and dancer. That's that's what I wanted to become was a triple threat. And I, and I think Shadowbox had that... Cr- opportunity and created that opportunity. Uh, I saw a lot of flexibility in creating many different characters in a short amount of time versus going to uh, Chicago or New York where I would be a server uh, as well as trying to make it in this one theater to play this one character. And I just saw more opportunity to create. Okay. You guys do, what, three shows of Fiscal Quarter? Yes. Right. And so you're mounting, creating shows constantly. Constantly. How does that process go? Oh, gosh. In terms of like even down to deciding on what to do. Yes. So there are eight creative team members. Okay. um, And a large majority of them are a decade or two decades older than me. And they've been, you know, Shadowbox has been around for about 25 years. Right. So the eight of us kind of sit down in this creative team 
creating and we create the shows uh, we try to at least a year in advance okay uh, and there are some formats that we've been able to identify through our creation it's really neat uh, we start started with the basic format of the sketch comedy and rock and roll and that's what a lot of people know Shadowbox Live through the Easton Town Center as the sketch comedy and rock and roll club but now that we've moved to the brewery district we've been able to extend our entertainment offerings we do musicals and dance theater dance theater is so much fun it's it's great because we have this live band that is always the home base of all of our great shows our live band and our singers and then we grow from there Um, but these formats we've been able to identify and then we create a show lineup for the year based on these formats so we have the Wednesday Thursday show which is typically a rockumentary style show for instance our Beatles tribute show or the Pink Floyd tribute show the Joe Cocker tribute show so that's the Wednesday Thursday night then Friday and Saturday we do our sketch comedy and rock and roll which is two shows, 7.30 and 10.30. Okay. Um, so we create the format for that. Or that was our home format, actually. And then on Sundays, we do the musicals. So we offer, you know, currently running the Little Shop of Horrors. Right. And we've done Chicago and Jesus Christ Superstar. And, you know, so we've done a lot of great musicals as well as the sketch comedy and rock and roll. And then we created this new format of the rockumentary style shows, which are perfect because it's a blend of kind of what Broadway is going toward, utilizing old rock genre, old rock stars and turning them into a musical. We don't turn it into a musical or we we could but what we have typically done in our rockumentary style shows is turn them into a more well rockumentary you get a little education you get the rock you get the great sound uh, of the you know we try to emulate the singer as much as possible right and the costumes we try to emulate the costumes that they were utilizing at the time and giving a little bit of background to what the band was like and what yeah. was happening at the time culturally yeah and so while you guys all you know you are still a server you also have other administrative duties there you are also the art director for the company yes what does that role entail uh, I curate the galleries. So I have uh, Amy Ivanoff, actually, just a lovely breath of fresh air. She just came in to assist me in curation of the galleries. But we have a lot of great wall space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and art just goes hand in hand, you know, singing, dancing, acting, production, art on the walls. And, and we just wanted to be this art entity I guess so we decided to curate all of our walls and uh, it's been successful actually Um, so that as well as uh, I'm kind of the Tim Gunn of the costume team okay (laughs) so I run uh, Linda Mullen is our costume designer our head designer over the years I've been able to gather we had quite a large library of costumes already in our collection but um, I've, I've been over the years able to go to thrift stores have donations that of some really great pieces and because our shows run a vast gamut of time I need right. to have uh, 
an 80s prom dress, but I also need to have a Renaissance, uh, you know, beggar woman. Right. <laughs> so, so yes, I'm the Tim Gunn of the costume team. Just try to help the costume designer understand what Steve Geyer, the the CEO, head producer of the shows, is is looking for and uh, what colors are also our brand. I've been able to understand our brand a lot better in 14 years, of course. And it's really neat. My love now of of rock fashion is just gone through the roof. And I and I love teaching it too. I had no idea. Talk about sort of the structure of the company because it is nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You guys do now own the building that you're in. Yes. You actually just did you acquire the whole building when World of Beer went out? Is that what happened? No, actually, there's another uh, company moving into the World of Beer space. Okay. We just own our suites. Got our, it. Yeah, the You're... one suite happens to be very large in the, in the main floor. Got it. <laughs> it's uh, the bistro as well as the theater space. Right, and you, you allow for outside events to happen there as well. Absolutely. In fact, it's a, it's been a little confusing, I think, for some of our audience. They will go to the hashtag shows, which is a great improv troupe that we've mm-hmm. taken under our wing, and they're an amazing troupe they do shows every Wednesday night uh, their improv shows and their audience base has just grown exponentially I think because they've been able to have this home base um, and, and be consistent create, yeah yeah and create in a consistent location um, and uh, but a lot of newcomers to Shadowbox think yeah I've been to your shows you know that five dollar night out <laughs> and, and the like, ones nope that's, that's not, not it at all <laughs> that's not We're, our thing that's not what we do but we love them they're amazing um so we you know are still trying to get the word out that we've moved from Easton five years ago now into this new location company events is is big right now for us uh, the holiday season coming up right. and uh calling uh, and you know cold calling some of these companies HR companies say have you been to Shadowbox and yeah I've been one time at Easton you guys still there I'm like no we're new come back <laughs> down come back down and enjoy but right. um or they've seen yeah I saw the hashtag show on Wednesday night no so uh it's all about education right now I think in in getting our name back out there but we've done some amazing creative uh, shows since Easton even um, with our Gallery of Echoes collaboration with the Museum of the Art. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit and how that show is structured? Yeah so about four or five years ago so about when we we moved down to the Bury District we wanted to get into more collaborations. Uh, collaborations just create so many new visuals and new new ideas new concepts so we've collaborated with the uh, Ballet Met with uh, the museum and that was where the Gallery of Echoes uh, concept came through. Um, our in-house band, so Steve, our CEO and producer, started Shadowbox with rock operas, if okay. you can imagine. And then it became this sketch comedy rock and roll thing, and now it's come back to this rockumentary and uh, other things. So Steve, being this lover of, of rock opera, opera and creation of that kind of genre of music, wanted to get that back. And, and the, the members and, and band members that we've had with us for about 25 years now are, right. are very good and and can create you know anything they've been creating these piece these uh 
these pieces, whether they be a show based on a Japanese folktale or a Gallery of Echoes type show. So that is our collaboration. We started with the Columbus Museum of Art, and uh, they took about 25 pieces to write music and write the story through the music, what was going through the artist's mind, what the artist was going through at the time, and what they were trying to, what story they were trying to tell through right. their piece. So we wanted to do that visually. Uh, we collaborated with the Mills James Productions and put a, gosh, I don't know, it feels like 100 feet long <laughs> flat screen on our stage, which shows HD close-ups of each art piece from and that started with the Columbus Museum of Art. Right. This year we uh, collaborated with uh, local artists actually. Okay. So we're doing another Gallery of Echoes. It's coming up uh, first weekend of November. Okay. Um, so we're really excited to bring that one back. But what they do through those Gallery of Echoes shows is go into in-depth photo uh, and video shots HD of the brush strokes and pan out to things that the naked eye just can't see and experience that visually. That's the first layer. The second layer is that the band is playing this music that is telling the story of what the artist was going through or what story they were trying to tell. And the band is playing that live while you have dancers in front in either costumes that emulate that era or... or or emulate the piece. Piece right. or platform that the artist was trying to. So that is the Gallery of Echo show, and it is just a layered piece of art itself. It's like... A, but it's much more a performance art piece than it is sort of... You guys break down the fourth wall a lot yeah. at Shadowbox. This is much more a performance Yes, piece, yes. Sort of. And I imagine the music is not like... Like well, it can be. Music. It can be actually. Okay. Um, well, depending on the piece, yeah. Depending on the piece. But I'm thinking about water lilies or mm-hmm. Picasso, like pieces that it's going to be a little bit more subdued um, of a show. Not, or am I wrong? No, it, okay. not really. Some of the pieces talk about death and destruction, or and so they're going to compose war. like a metal piece. Yeah, for that? and okay. so you've got the the genre of there's a little bit of rock metal, but then there's also a piece that is about this cherry tree in Cherry Alley and the memories of this couple who walk down the lane when they were, you know, this age and now they're 50 and they're looking at it again. Or there's also this other piece that's based on uh, the eye, the third eye. So it's got a little Indian. But it is fair to say that the show is a little bit more subdued. I'm sure it's still an immersive experience, but very different than a sketch comedy and rock and roll show. Yes, it's very different. Okay, And and that's what I think um, confuses so many people about us. Like, what do you do? Who are you? guys because we do these these artful pieces like gallery of echoes but we also do this sketch comedy and rock and roll where you can which can get a little body and raunchy yeah but it can hit you in the face with um yeah okay so we do a lot of variety there but i mean that's important and that's what sort of keeps you sort of have to change it up and keep changing it up to get people to keep coming back yeah yeah talk sort of about you know you got into this to be a performer yes and while that is a large part of your work you are also doing a whole lot of other things to contribute to keeping the wheels turning and keeping everything functioning there. Yeah. How has that sort of shaped your view? Oh, I love and hate it. Okay. <laughs> I think when I when I was in college, I, I was with this troupe, which 
to this day now, I understand that it kind of honed my comedic skills. I had no idea at the time I would be doing sketch comedy and rock and roll later and developing all these zany characters. Um, but I was with the troupe uh, on the Becky Thatcher showboat in Marietta, Ohio. Okay. And <laughs> there was a troupe. Haven't had the pleasure. <laughs> it's on the bottom of the river now. Okay. So you won't. Um, but what a what a fun summer. I did a summer with this troupe um, that did melodrama. And we marketed our own shows. We costumed our own shows. We, you know, so that started my engine of, oh, okay, I know how to do this. And and I came back for a second summer, the third summer of my college. So this is my thing. I never wanted to stay home and just chill at right. home. I always wanted to be doing something and be activated in my craft. What more can I learn about my craft so I can be just better at it? And I wanted to be this triple threat, you know. I was a nerd and watched Danny Kaye and the Marx Brothers, and that was who I learned from. <laughs> well, that's how you learn how to do pratfalls, right? Yeah, exactly. This troupe was marketing, you know, we were marketing our own, we were uh, costuming our own, and, and I think I had this epiphany that I just would get more out of my craft and my love for my craft if I could do all of it. Okay. And so going to Shadowbox, it was right back at home. And, and they said, hey, you're going to be calling and marketing these people that come to the show and tell them about the new show. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, uh, now we're also going to call some companies and get them in here to have their holiday party with us. Right. And maybe they have a spring event and maybe they want to watch this show or they're a group of dentists that want to come see the rock, you know, Little well, Shop of Horrors. Or... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it just always was a part of what I was doing at the time and I never thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to go to New York and be a server and then try to audition for this one thing and just I, I, f I felt like that choice would suck the life out of me okay I mean it's hard certainly yeah and again you do have the virtue of sort of having a certain amount of security here yeah like, you know that you're gonna have a job in six months well, I don't know. If people don't come back to the shows, I have no idea. If you don't get the dentist to show up to a little <laughs> shop of horrors. Or you know, have you reached out to botanists too? Oh, I mean, yes. That's a very good idea. <laughs> I mean, what you're saying without saying it is it's your role and everybody else's role there to get the butts in the seats as well. Yes. So yes. Because that's what's going to make a viable company. Yeah. I think, you know, there are, I could probably count on my hand the number of viable theater companies in town. And a lot of them are supported by more grant money than you guys are. Absolutely. Because while you are a nonprofit, you are almost entirely dependent on ticket sales, alcohol sales, food sales. Yes. To keep everything going. Yes. And a lot of those uh, other entities in Columbus are kind of turning their head at us going, what, how are you doing this? What are you doing over here? Right. You know, so a lot of them have tried to emulate our niche in that. Okay. Uh, we do ask for grant money for certain projects, mm -hmm. but we aren't continually funded. Well, you get some support from like GCAC, right? Yes. Okay. When we ask for a specific project. Oh, but it's not ongoing support. No, or... I don't believe so. No, uh, we're project oriented, I okay. think, when that comes to our, our, our asks. Right. But that is something that makes us stronger, I think, because we have developed these just out of sheer we have to get the people in the seats, these right. marketing uh, ideas, and we can't just throw money at it. So we we throw creative creativity at it. We throw our young actors and performers at their passion for their art. 
Right. I mean, what would you say to more traditional theater companies and theater goers when they're coming to check you out for the first time? Because it is like I grew up doing theater Mm -hmm. and when I was working for the Columbus Alive, like I would go and see a show and it was a little bit jarring frankly (laughs) but that's the sketch comedy and rock and roll right you saw one genre true you saw one genre of show right but to an extent i don't want my server performing for me (laughs) if that makes sense well is it is it why let me ask you that why is that why don't you want your server performing for you because i'm also not the kind of guy who goes to dick's last resort because i have a perception of what i'm going in interesting and i'm going to get you know this was probably 10 years ago uh uh, not that, you know, you I was there. It might have been me. I might have offended you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you offend. I, I don't think it was that I was offended. It just wasn't what I expected. Oh. That I expected. The fourth wall exists for comfort of both parties. Interesting. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm also not the kind of guy who like goes to an improv show because I feel uncomfortable when audience members are shouting things. Mm-hmm. And that's probably just because of how I was raised in that art form. Yeah. Is I have an expectation of how this is going to go. And I'm the kind of person that will go to the symphony and want to clap when that section is done just because I thought that section was done well. Right. And screw your standards. I will not wait till the end of the song. I will clap because I love the artistry in that one section and I want to applaud it. And I'm that asshole. But isn't there some amount of decorum that should be maintained? Should it? Yes. <laughs> I would argue. Okay. I don't know. It's the reason why you can't touch stuff at the museum. Hmm. You know what I mean? But you guys are a space for something different. This is something different. Yes. I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're not living and breathing the art, I don't feel like you're ever in it with me. If you're not feeling the bass because I've turned it up so loud, you're feeling it in your heartbeat. I don't feel like you're in it. I don't feel like if I don't come off as grandma that was just in that sketch and I don't come out to you in the audience and tell you to, you know, sit up straight, sit up straight and hey, you're obviously not trying on this date this evening. And I and I harass Ugh. people, you know, and it's it's fun and it's just immersive and it gets you gets your heartbeat going. I think right. it makes you feel alive because it's just has to. It's so I agree with you. I'm I think there is is a line when you go too far to control an audience member to have to do something. Right. I think, you know, if they're really not interested in doing it, they won't play along. And as an artist, I I don't know, maybe I just can read people a little better. Right. When I feel like they want me to stop, I will stop. Right. And I don't stop right there. I'll just come down and, and let them off nicely. Um, but well, And I am not saying that it's that there's something wrong with it. I am just saying that it's different from what I expected. And I want to sort of, part of the reason we're talking today is I want people to understand what that experience is and to experience it. Yeah. But I guess I just want, I feel like people don't check out things like the symphony, ballet, theater, because it's not accessible to them. And so when you provide a little bit of education for them of like, 
this is what this is going to be like, that sort of lowers that barrier of entry. Or at least that barrier. Of yeah, there well, are others. absolutely. And and what's so hard about Shadowbox is is it's uh, it's different every. I mean, it's different night to night. It's yeah. not even like different. You know, hey, we're putting up a different production in two weeks. It's literally this is a different show tomorrow. You can come three times in one week to Shadowbox show and see a different show. What's the ticket price right now? Um, it ranges from thirty to forty dollars, okay. uh, depending on the night of the week. Okay, uh, obviously all Saturday. General admission seating. Yeah. Okay. And we do have student and military discount pricing as well. Senior citizen. It's senior citizen pricing. Yes. Good to know. That does not include food or drink. That's correct. Okay. That's separate. That's correct. But and we do group rates and we do we have actually our own in-house catering. So we do events. Uh, there's so many birthdays and anniversary events at Shadowbox. That's the other thing that I started to develop are these little niche things that, that we could do to help people have even more immersive, you know, You're facilitating event. an experience. Yes. Right. So if you have a birthday party and you want to get Elvis to sing to your wife, you can. Or Marilyn Monroe to sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President. Or, you know, and they're just touches of little... I think that people, when they get off their couch and they get out of their homes, they expect something to get them out of the realm of whatever their depressive minds are in. Okay. Uh, get me out of that space, you know, election, the whatever. Just get me out of that world. So when you come into this new world of Shadowbox, we're here to entertain you and get you outside of all of that crap. Okay. And maybe that's where you feel like you're, you know, you're still holding on to that stuff. I'm a real person, but we don't want you to be a real person. We want you to be just uh, just this this sponge to soak up this fun and something you didn't expect to experience or think about. Okay. What's sort of next for Shadowbox? First of all, back to the ticket. Like, let's say I'm there on a date. It's uh, on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. Am I going to walk with like a $200 bill? $150? I would say over the whole night, you would probably walk with a $150, $200 bill. Okay. Yeah. So, it is, I mean, it is an event, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Come in. We have a full bar. And right. food is really great. And just, it can be casual or upscale. So, if you want an upscale night, we also have started to do reserved tables. Okay. So, our typical style of seating, you come in, it's first come, first serve. And you may be sitting with another couple at another table. That's cool. They're not, you know, tiny, tiny spaces. So you have plenty of space, elbow room, if you will. Um, but, but it you is are sort of like, oh, at least for the seating, it is almost like a wedding setup. In yeah, you're at like tables. Eight, eight top tables. Eight top, six top tables, four okay. top tables. And unless you have a desire to do a reserved table for yourself, and we have that option. Um, but we also have the option to do a staff party or a gathering or a, a retirement party or whatever. Um, and we have full catering. So you can have, you know, beef tenderloin carved to order at your banquet and hair cover and tricolored potatoes and your your wine served at your table. And, you know, we can do that fancy experience with right. linens and china. Um, so I think that's why it's such a neat space as well. We've 
we've been able to turn it into a trade show for uh, for companies. Um, we've done the condom couture event mm-hmm. and turned that into a fashion show, which is really wonderful. We just completed a show last Wednesday and Thursday, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame event, where the CEOs, I don't know if you heard about that. This oh, CEOs for Cities. CEOs for Cities yeah. uh, were playing you know, their instruments, uh, and it was great to have their staff in and their friends and family. But we can turn the space into pretty much everything, uh, and, and it's, um, it's not your typical stuffy hotel section block of room that has fluorescent lighting, and it's just, you know, it's a versatile space. Now that you guys have settled into that space, after having, well, after having originally left the short north, gone to east and come back, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, what do you see as sort of, you know, the five-year vision? What, like, what's coming up next for Shadowbox? We are doing some really interesting shows. The Gallery of Echo show and the, we did a show last year based on a Japanese uh, folk novel or okay. folk tale. Um, and we worked with um, a professor out of Osaka, Japan. I think that's the next level in entertainment. The Gallery of Echoes project being a project that could go to any city mm-hmm. and go to any MoMA, if you will. Okay. And say, okay, MoMA, what are the 25 pieces that you'd like to have? Have us do a show around. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, so we could do that nationally. We also, you guys haven't done touring shows no, before, right? No, okay. not at this time. I think we need a lot more, <laughs> a lot more performers to get that going and, and our shows going on. Yeah, but we're always looking for great funding. <laughs> Wink, ting. Can you do the ting sound there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'll just add it in. (laughs) But this project of Gallery of Echoes can go to any city, any MoMA, and also that same, it starts with the band. It really does because that same band also just did a show based on this Japanese folktale and the head marquee designer, uh, David Mack, out of LA. And he is a graphic novel artist associated with... um, uh, the Daredevil series. He is in Marvel right now. Deep. Right. So he has another graphic novel that's coming up and probably is going to be on Netflix sometime, but okay. uh, Kabuki. The okay. name is Kabuki. And so next year, 2017, we'll be doing a Tenshu of sorts kind of show, but not really. So it's going to be a graphic novel show, a musical slash opera slash whatever you want to call it, but it's going to be a production. It's going to be visually stunning with, you know, it's a graphic novel that's just being told live on stage with this live uh, live rock music. So it's it's going to be huge. Um, So I think that that's our next step of production. Still continuing on with the musicals. Mm -hmm. If you want to come and see Scrooge or you want to come and see Little Shop of Horrors or, you know, your classics, we'll always be doing that. And I think we'll always be doing the sketch comedy and rock and roll because we are great in our sketch comedy writing. It's always pertinent to, you know... To the time. Well, and you guys have a good... Jimmy Max, a good guy, and you guys Mm -hmm. have a good sort of stead of writing and performers yeah. doing it. Yeah. yeah, and the band is always great, and we can always take cover tunes that are uh, available to that theme that we're, that we're trying to produce that, that sketch comedy show toward. And the rockumentaries will always come along because there are people that die, like Pink, you know, or like, like, uh, like Prince, Prince and, like, Bowie. and Bowie, and we're doing that show in 2017. So there are always artists, you know, when, when Joe Cocker passed, we immediately did a Joe Cocker tribute show. You know, so there are always going to be great artists to do that 
that rockumentary style of Thank show. Thank God uh, people are always dying. Thank God. That's what you just said. <laughs> Did I really just say sort that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, we're always going to have content because right. people are always going to die. <laughs> Great artists are always going to die, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> we're always going to want to celebrate their life and their music. Right. And we're always going to want to celebrate artists, whether they're alive or dead. <laughs> Right. Yes, I'm very cynical and very dark. Sorry about that. But I think that that's our next level of show is to work with a live artist, (laughs) David Mack, (laughs) and uh, his graphic novel and also the, um, I hope the Gallery of Echoes project does pick up. I mean, it's such a brilliant idea to work with a museum and how better to bring art to life, but to literally do that. Bring it to life, right. What's the audience like at this point? And this is totally getting into like business but are there 25 year olds there's such a huge range it depends on the show it depends on what what we've connected to them to their their understanding of what they're even getting into there's so many people that do i was told it was cool you know i don't know how to describe this shadow box thing and i think that that's our that's our biggest monster in our face is we do so many different genres of entertainment and formats and some formats that we're just making up ourselves but it works right um one of the one of my favorite shows that i brought to the creative team was burlesque now i didn't bring the format burlesque that's existed since you know 1920s 10s 20s and i brought it up to do a burlesque show as i said we have great dancers we have great bodies but we can also do it in a way that it's classic to burlesque, to the early burlesque times. So I don't want any, you know, I was like, I don't want any pole humping. I don't want any floor floor humping. I want classy, teasy feathers and, you know, that kind of idea. And I had this, you know, I had this list of music that I wanted us to do live. So it always starts the music for some reason. It just right. starts with Well, that. when you have a house band. Yeah, I mean, and they're great. And they're also, you know writers themselves, composers themselves. So I came up with that. And then through our comedy, Jimmy Mack and and Steve got together and they said, well, let's do old time burlesque sketches or vaudeville sketches. Okay. So it just came together that that boom, that's a new format of show. Mm -hmm. And we do the burlesque show every year. And it's great because it's got this title, Burlesque, you know what you're getting into, but you don't really. Okay. Because when you do get into it, you see in between each burlesque song is this old vaudeville sketch that was done literally with other burlesque troops in the 20s, in the 30s. And let me tell you, the characters in those sketches are so much fun uh, because you're doing the voice quality that the, you know, come up and see me sometime. (laughs) How you doing, Mr. Johnson? You know, and it's just, um, it's just fun to play with that. So that show, I was so excited to be such an integral part of it. I I just um, and now it's a formatted show that we do every year. The problem is is finding vaudeville sketches because there are only you know so many years of them. Right. Um, but they do bring up the greats, the the great original sketch artists, the great original you know Laurel and Hardy's, the you know the Marx Brothers, the the voices that were used in, and they're just they're just brilliant. Good. How did you originally get into doing theater? So my mom tells me this story that she brought me to several productions because I was ADHD or something. Okay. She sat me down and we were watching this show when I was about three, eight when I started to get into performance. But when I was three, she said, I just would not sit still and I just wanted to get up and 
play with them is what she tells me the quote is. I just want to get up on stage and I want to play with them. So I think that that's kind of been my constant love of theatrics is I just want to get up and create and play. And so my mom brought me to an audition for, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Mm -hmm. (laughs) some children's production. And I loved it. And from there it stuck. And I think I got into the love of the discipline of it, the understanding that I could be better at it if I had more versatility. Mm -hmm. So I got into that and really focused on, I want to be a great actor. I want to be a great singer and I want to be a great dancer. But telling those, now my understanding of dancing and singing is if you don't have the acting understanding, then those two other things don't Right. Don't compute. You're doing it falsely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where my where my focus went. And I did a lot of uh, local theater when I was in high school and went to college for music theater and was in those pro- the, the productions at the university. Then, yeah, auditioned and knew I wanted to be with the troupe, but just didn't know where. And my family had always been very playful and comedic at the table. <laughs> so it was always the um, best part is, is when you can get your brother to pass milk through his nose. So it makes mom leave. Right. You know, that's the goal of dinner. I don't know if anybody else had that goal at dinner when they sit down to dinner, but that's the goal of our family dinners. Right. Um, so here's my father just laughing his ass off and my mom getting so pissed. Um, and then just the me and my three brothers. And so that was just the that was the goal. And I had no idea until later when I tried to teach sketch comedy and teach acting that that sense of play and that sense of camaraderie in play is is so underdeveloped in young students and our in our you know young actors today it's it's really um kind of scary we've we actually do have an arts training program okay so i uh had started to get into an understanding of the, of these students who just have their you know cell phones right in front of their faces and then they, they emote with emojis they don't emote with their bodies and their right. physical facial tics or expressions uh-huh. um so my love and understanding of that is kind of what what fed me through and now i guess i'm i'm loving teaching it and so you guys do classes there at Shadowbox? Yes. We're okay. not into adult classes yet, but okay. we're, we're going to be. We do a program with STEM, okay. uh, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, every spring. We started with Metro High School as okay. our base uh, through Battelle. And now we work with several STEM schools to teach uh, these high schoolers because uh, they're getting out of their school, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, and there's no art. Right. Arts centrally trained. So um, we're doing a program which gives them an understanding of all three, acting, singing, and dancing. Okay. Um, and we also have a boot camp program in the summer that we you know, try to develop their understanding. Yeah, we know you just want to be an actor or you just have this interest in singing, but here's the thing. You won't actually be looked at as an amazing singer or a musician or a dancer unless you have this base understanding of who you are and what character and what story you're trying to tell so well, um, what it is though is a summer camp the, the, yeah the boot camp right like so so there's a spring camp and a summer camp basically okay. um but yeah that we've been doing that for about four or five years okay and and that is an audition entry 
program Mm -hmm. from what I saw. Yeah. Uh, up until about 21 young adults, the right age that they can under, they do already understand humanity a little bit, but well, and not, they have a commit. They want it's not like their parents are putting them into this. They made a choice to be there. Absolutely, right? Yeah, um, and not necessarily. You know, I want to be a famous actor someday, but maybe they just got into it because they wanted to be more outgoing or more expressive. Okay, but even in their, I'm so expressive. They're so tiny and I I worry about these kids just you know they're watching so many things everything's at their fingertips so they can go to a Google or a YouTube video or whatever a Vimeo and they're seeing it but they're not expressing it themselves or they're not playing with it so that's our biggest challenge is to get these kids to come out in front of their phones and play. In addition to the gig at Shadowbox, why do you choose to be in Columbus? It's clean. It's clean? It feels so clean. Columbus is just beautiful. It feels clean. When I walk down in the city, it feels clean. Um, I love New York. I love Chicago. New York, Chicago. It just feels dirty. Like, Uh that's because the sidewalks are old. It's not. I know that, dirty. but they just feel okay. dirty. Um, <laughs> no, it is. It's clean, um, and I love the. It's innovative. This okay. city to me feels so freely innovative, and I don't know why those other cities feel like they would just be. You know, here I want to be. No, no they've got too many layers down. of of. Oh, we're gonna push you down. Right. Um, and, well, and again, I mean, we touched on it earlier, but it's difficult there. Yes. You know, it one, it's super expensive. Yeah. And two, it's difficult to get around, you know, with stuff, with yeah. physical things. And the combination of those two things makes actual living hard. Yeah. And so then you can't do the additional things. Right. And also, I'm a love of nature. I And I love in Columbus that 20 minutes I can be out in a metro park or a beautiful, uh, you know, meadow wood space so okay i also love that and you're close to home still yeah and i you know i love parents are so supportive and i you know i love being close to them and my family is my brothers are fairly fairly close as well okay great amy thank you so much for your time today thank you Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, your family, your contacts, your enemies, your local actor. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a good week.